Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, it's often the case that the victim of a crime experiences a great deal of anxiety at the thought of the perpetrator getting released from prison. Well, now the parole board wants to have them to have more of a voice in the process and has been advertising for victims to register with them. Kirin de Bush is chief executive, chief executive, I should say, of the parole board. Kirin, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Why are you doing this in the first instance? Why did you decide to put up these adverts? We're very conscious that we um, we want to hear from victims. Uh, they, for the first time, have a right to have a voice in the parole process. And many victims may not be aware of this. So we've taken out ads in national and local media, in print and radio, supposed to get across the message that they do now have a right to have a voice in the parole process and we do want to hear from them. Uh, so victims can choose to engage with us They can also choose not to and some victims don't want to and that's absolutely their choice. Mm -hmm. But for those who do, they can engage with us and they can make a submission uh, in the event that the the perpetrator in their case is making a parole application. Uh, And uh, do we need to define what victim is? Because say in a murder case, can the family of the person who was murdered uh, do that? Yes, and this is in relation to um, life sentence prisoners, which is generally where somebody... Uh, has has lost a life. So it will be family members that we will be hearing from. And quite often that can be parents, sons and daughters, siblings, uh, and sometimes it can be more extended family that we would be hearing from cousins or nieces or nephews. Uh, so the family can decide who they want to represent them if that's the way they want to do it. Um, and then we can either meet with um, their family representative or they can write to us and make a written submission. It's entirely up to them as to which way they want to do that uh, and how they want to make a submission. And they can as well have legal aid throughout the process. Um, Many victims choose not to and many more choose to. And again, it's entirely up to them and and what works better for them. Mm -hmm. Why would they have legal aid for that? Some people, maybe, for example, if, if, you know, the the reading and writing isn't great and they might feel a bit daunted at meeting people, they feel a bit more comfortable with having a solicitor Mm. with them and guiding them through the process. Um, But again, it's it's very much down to the victim themselves. Um, If if they want to have a a solicitor with them, we we can assign legal aid for them uh, and that's free uh, for all victims. Or sometimes people may choose to bring along a support person and they can equally, they can do that as well. Now, this is, uh, I assume, if there's a, a physical meeting between yourselves and the victim or the victim's family, that this is separate from the actual parole board meeting. They're not in the room looking at the person, the perpetrator. Absolutely, they're not. Um, and that has been one thing that um, many victims have gotten contact with us to, to check. They're, they're not in the room with the perpetrator. They will, if, if they choose to do it in person, they will meet with two members of the parole board uh, and there will also be a member of the parole board staff there as well to make a note of the meeting. Those same two parole board members will generally also meet with the applicant and then report back to the wider board. And it's the board that make a decision on a parole application. Now, are, are there guidelines uh, about what kind of information is relevant or not relevant for this kind of a submission? There are. And if people want to go on to our website um, at gov.ie forward slash parole board, you'll see that there's there's a guide there around uh, what is relevant within the submission. And it's basically, we want to hear from victims about 
how the offence affected them and their family at the time of the offence, how it has been since and what feelings they would have if a parole order were to be granted and if there are any particular conditions they'd like to see attached were a parole order to be granted. Mm. And I suppose for me, the, the, the thing to remember for victims is because an application is made does not necessarily mean that parole will be granted. It is an application um, and there is a process to be gone through. Yeah, no, but, but at the same time, the parole board, I assume, are, are taking into account a, a range of factors, not necessarily just the effect it has on the victim. Absolutely. And it's laid out in the legislation, the Parole Act 2019 sets out the factors that the board considers. And it's one of those pieces of legislation that's actually quite accessible. Um, So um, victims can look to it and see the factors that the board will be considering. And they're they're generally, I suppose, can be grouped around whether if the perpetrator were to be released, whether they'd pose what's, what's termed in the legislation as an undue risk to society, to the community, which, of course, includes victims the level of rehabilitation they've undergone during their sentence, and then other factors like whether they would have had other convictions, their behaviour in prison, uh, the work that they've done in prison and and the services they've engaged with throughout their sentence. So in a situation then where the offender has been exemplary and uh, all those other factors, then is uh, are the victim's feelings that relevant then? They are. Um, it's, it's, it's important... For many victims, it's important that they have a voice, mm. um, particularly when you consider we're, we're looking at applications from life sentence prisoners, many of whom have spent up to 15, 20, 25 years in prison. And it may be the first time that the victim has a voice within the wider criminal justice process. Um, so it's important that they have a voice. It's important that we listen to them. And and what we hear from them, I suppose, forms part of the all of the information in the round that is considered by the parole board, it is a factor that is considered. And one of the things that has come back to us from the victims that we've met with, quite often, you know, victims like the rest of us in society are pragmatic. Mm. They know quite often that their perpetrator will be released at some stage and they may say, I don't want to see them in my town. I don't want to see them in the village at home. Um, And those are the types of conditions that the parole board can also consider when they're making a decision around parole. Right, so, so a parole board can say you're not allowed to go back to Cork or wherever, ever again. Is, is that within their remit, their power to do that? The parole boards can attach conditions to a parole order. Um, all parole orders will have general conditions so that somebody, for example, when they're released, somebody who's a life sentence prisoner is serving a life sentence within prison and then when they're released within the community. So they will always be under supervision of the probation services. So those types of conditions are there on all parole orders. There are also, I suppose, what we would call specific conditions. They can be geographical areas in which the person cannot enter again. They could be, um, you know, a, a local town or a village or it can be wider than that as well. And those will also be taken into consideration if a victim includes that in their submission as well. Mm. Can, uh, if they request it, can the victim go to the actual parole board hearing? The the parole board, the, the process is, it's it's quite different to the image a lot of us have because yeah. <laughs> we're looking at, at um, various American television programmes. So the, the, the way it works in Ireland is that we will hear from the victim, then we will hear from the applicant. And it, it's two board members representing the full board 
um, that will meet with the victim if they choose to and with the applicant. They then come back and report to the full board and it's the board members make that decision. And generally, neither victims nor applicants will be there at a full board hearing. Yeah. There are exceptional circumstances, but they're very exceptional where, where something like that would happen. Yeah, because you could understand in certain circumstances, I suppose, where a victim might want to eyeball the perpetrator to see whether they believe if you know they're rehabilitated and, and they're sorry for their crimes and that kind of thing. They can. Um, and, and, and I can understand why people can have those feelings. Um, I, I'm, you know, I've no doubt that there are many that feel that way. And there are, I suppose, what are called restorative justice projects where they can explore mm-hmm. um, options like that. It's not part of the remit of the parole board. Ours is very much looking at the function of parole um, and hearing from di- victims is a key element of that. But the legislation sets out our, I suppose, decision making framework within that. Um, and, and restorative justice, I suppose, is, is a different element to the justice system. If a perpetrator comes up for a parole hearing now, is the victim automatically informed of that? We will do our absolute best to contact them. One of the things that um, I suppose has become very clear to us is we don't have a, a register of victims of serious crime, for example. So we don't automatically have people's contact details. So we are working with Ngarda Shiochana and others to ensure that we will be able to contact the family and inform them when um, we want to hear from them or or whether they would like to make a submission. We're also asking victims if they want to make a submission to consider um, getting in contact with us now. Uh, There's nothing to stop any victim getting in contact with us ahead of an application and some have. Uh, They don't need to wait to hear from us they can engage with us now and, and we can talk them through the process. Mm, so, and they, oh. they, they decide what their role is in it then. Right, so if somebody does register today, even though the perpetrator mightn't be facing the prospect of getting out for years yet, does that mean they, and even if they don't want to engage with the parole process, does that mean that they would be automatically informed that this is coming up now? If if they want to, we, yeah. we will let them know. Um, some people have told us they don't want to know. Mm. Um, but assuming they do, we will absolutely let them know. And again, assuming that they want to, we can also let victims know of the parole decision. Um, so they would they would know of the decision that has been made as well. Kieran de Bush is uh, Chief Executive of the Parole Board. Kieran, thank you very much. Thanks, William Sean. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. On News Talk.